Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast with your host, Big Ken, a retired teacher bringing you lessons each week he's learned in the hobby by taking you behind the table and inside the mind of a dealer and a collector. Sit back and relax. There won't be a test. The only thing being graded here is the cards. Welcome to the Sports Card Lessons Podcast. I'm your host, Big Ken. Whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on a streaming service, please like, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. You'll be notified whenever I drop any new content. Welcome, and thanks for being here. As promised, another collaboration episode with sports card therapist. Rob, how you doing tonight? Ken, Ken, Ken. What is going on, my man? <laughs> thanks for having me on. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. Usually we... Uh, we record an episode and then I air it on my channel. You air it on yours. But for this entire month, I'm doing roundtable, so I couldn't air it on mine. I mean, I could, but I mean, you know. Uh, well, well, yeah, well, this I'm is a really great, happy to be here. This is a great segue right into uh, let's talk about them. Those roundtables, um, the last the last ones you did. Um, what month was it? Was it the July or was it December? No. So in July, I did. Um, in July of 2022 for national, um, in honor of national, I did collector's month where I had three super collectors on a week and I cranked out three episodes a week, boom, boom, boom for a month. And, uh, so I did super collectors then. And then on, on, uh, for the round tables I did in December going into January, I believe of like 22, 23. Yeah. And, and you know what, they were great. Both, both months were great, but I've already started actually, you know, I was on the first one, right? So they're unbelievable if I have to say so myself, but <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, we talk, I know the guests you're having on and, you know, just mind blown of, of the people that are coming on and going to be on all month long. Um, talk to me a little bit about just organizing it because I think, when I even talk to people and they're like, oh, the therapist is doing the roundtables. I don't know how he coordinates all those people. I can't even, you know, coordinate dinner on Thursday night type of thing. So just talk to me a little bit about coordinating all these people. Yeah, man. And uh, thank you for that. You know, it's uh, it, that's like a job in itself. I'm not kidding. So when it when it comes down to recording, like each episode is is typically, you know, give or take about 60 minutes, about an hour long. Um but I can tell you that at least an hour of time and conversation in the DMs, because every roundtable I create a group chat for. And I'm like, hey, guys, what's up? Here's the roundtable. Excited to have you guys. Um, and then immediately I start like putting out polls. Like I'll create a poll. Like what works better for you? Weekdays, weeknights, weekends. Boom. Then I see what the majority picks. And then I'm like, okay. Uh, weeknights work better. So what works better? And I'll give them three different nights as options, you know, with, with a couple different times, like in a poll, and then people will start selecting that, you know, and, uh, and I wasn't doing that for the first two batches. I wasn't doing that for like the, the super collector. Well, I guess the super collector is one-on-one -on -one DMs. Uh, but I wasn't doing that for the first round tables that I did in season three. I would have probably saved me a lot of time just doing polls like that rather than like asking a million open-ended questions. You know, it's like, so, uh, but yeah, it's a, a ton of time goes into, you know, the, 
the easy part is showing up and hitting record. You yeah. know, that's the easy part. That's the fun part. Um, so yeah, a lot goes into it, but it's fun. I mean, I signed up for it, you know, yeah. so it's not, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining by any means, you know, I, yeah. I signed up for it and, uh, it's been incredible. You know, I think my, my first round of round tables in season three, I don't know if it was coincidence, if it was a little bit of both, or if it was strictly the round tables that catapulted me, but I know right around the end of season three, you know, going back about five months now i was absolutely at my peak as far as streaming goes as far as my downloads go per episode um you know right after the roundtables ended uh pwcc reached out to me and, and we started talking so it was like it kind of in a way validated like wow okay i am onto something people are listening people appreciate it um you know companies are looking at it and and respecting it respecting enough to you know put their dollars behind it you know so it's mm -hmm. a lot of work a lot of work a lot of work but a lot yeah. of fun and it's a lot of big names in the hobby too it's not just like you know getting just just a few people together you're really getting you know big names in the hobby and you're bringing them together and and i think and you can correct me if i'm wrong i think some of these guys are kind of meeting for the first time, even though they know about each other and they know about each other's content or collections or whatever they do, but you bringing them together is almost bringing together people for the first time too. So it must be uh, an interesting dynamic for you because I know I've watched some of those and I've kind of seen you sit back a little bit and let, you know, let the guests kind of go because, you know, it's probably, you know, they're, they're, I'm not going to say they're a fan of the other person, but I'm sure they admire them just just like they're being admired with their, you know, content and their collections. You know, and, and, and very good point. Very well said. And I think that is safe to say, I think, you know, to an extent. I think when it comes to like content creators and when it comes to collectors, um, if you follow them on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever the case, I think we all kind of become fans of each other. And it sounds funny to say as like a grown man, you know, it's like we're grown men here and we're becoming like and we're fans of each other. But, I, you know, I think it's definitely a respect thing. You know, it's a respect thing. And and, you know, I know that. <clears throat> there I, I consume a lot of content you know i consume a lot of content each each week i probably listen to between six to ten different shows faithfully and you know even when it's you know a, a close friend like you I'm a, I'm a fan of yours you know because i think about i think about how much time i have committed and spent listening to you listening to your thoughts listening to your opinions um same thing with jeremy lee uh you know same thing with you know a lot of different guys and just spent a lot of time with with you guys and i i understand what people say like when they come up to me and they're like rob is it weird that i feel like i've known you my entire life and you don't even know my name you know, and I'm like, ah, I mean, you know, you get used to like comments like that, but, but I feel like that when I'm watching other collectors on Instagram, because I've watched their journey, I know, like, part of me feels like I know what they want to collect and I know what they like just as well as they do. Yeah. Because you right. can see the patterns, you can see, you know, you can see the behaviors. I know, I know I can, I've been there firsthand at these shows 
you know, where people walk up and are like, Rob, <laughs> you know, and I know, and it's happened to me too. You know, just they, they, people think they just know you because they see you twice a week or three times a week and, and they know everything about you. They know how, you know, what you collect, you know, how, what your, what thoughts are going into what you're collecting and how you're buying things and things like that. And, and you have zero information on them, right? Zero information. So they're, they're coming in hot and you're like, we, we've got a lot of ground to make up in a very short amount of time. Right. It's, 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 but you know, it's what we signed up for too. Right. It's, it's, uh, you know, putting ourselves out there week after week. Yeah. And you know, we talked about it on, on my, you know, because you were part of the first round table I did this week. So you were part of uh, the second full batch of round tables and you were, you were on episode one. Um, and that was the content creator round table. And even though I am trying to switch it up and do different topics, have different people on, um, with this second batch, but I did a content creator one, uh, on last season and still it was like, no, man, I, I wanted to bring on again for the second time i wanted to bring on a different batch of content creators content creators that i respect that i work with to an extent and that i just feel really good about you know and people that you know and and on that on that panel it was you it was jeremy lee from sports cards live and it was dustin sports card dad and those are guys who absolutely i i would vouch for any day of the week in this hobby and I would be proud to stand next to and and if someone was asking me someone was new to the hobby saying do you have any suggestions for content you three I would absolutely would be at the top of my list of people I would refer to and we're and there's and that's three completely different types of content too which is really kind of cool Right. Because I know for myself, like I take a lot of con, I, I listen to a lot of content, but I really pick and choose like what I'm going to listen to. You know, everyone in the Wolf Pack, I listen to all their stuff, you know, and and it's interesting in that group, too. There's really none of us that do the same thing, that do the same type of content, which is really cool because I think it would be hard to be going out and consuming content of the stuff you actually put out there, right? Like you could hear what other people are doing, but for myself, I really, I would rather keep like my thoughts fresh, if that makes sense, like not to, you know, be hearing what other people are saying about kind of the lane I'm in, but I really enjoy listening to people that are just in a different lane and just in a different part of the hobby because the hobby is so expansive. Right. There's so many different ins and outs of the hobby. And and when you really go down the content, you know, you're looking at the content, you could really pick and choose, you know, what what you want to listen to. But then you get to your round tables. Right. And now you're bringing it all together like you're bringing like all these certain people that, you know, it, like, like I'll, I'll, I'll put it out. I listen to you. I listen to Dustin. I listen to Jeremy Lee. And now I'm there. Now I'm there at the table with them. And then I hear their, you know, kind of their creative stories and, and what their thought is of when they're coming up with content. Right. Which is really kind of cool. I mean, that, that to me is the, the, the round table, the best part of the round table, because you're bringing people together that do the same thing, but 
the thought pattern, the the background, that everything they do is different, and you got to get three or four uh, perspectives of everybody and what they're doing. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and and I think you know, I think we just not even with content. I just in this hobby, I think we all kind of borrow from one another. You know, you know, I think you know, the old saying, like, we're the sum of every person we've ever met in our life, or we're the sum of all of our experiences. I feel like as collectors and, um, you know, just members of this hobby, I feel like we are the sum of all of the pages we follow. We're the sum of all of the content that we consume. We're the sum of whoever it is who we hang out with, right? Like, you are who you hang with kind of thing. And I tell you, listen, the Wolfpack thing has has really, I think, hit hit close to home for a lot of people because people are constantly asking me about that. So I'm gonna on on Friday of this week, uh, my roundtable is gonna be with uh, the sports cards nonsense guys. And the moment the Wolfpack came up on their episode, immediately they're like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, tell me about this Wolfpack. Who's in this Wolfpack? What's the reason behind it? Like they were they were fascinated by it and. I think it, you know, just kind of makes sense. You know, it's kind of like, you know, it's not about numbers. It's about, you know, quality, not quantity of people you surround yourself with. So that's why I was so grateful to that you came into the hobby or came back into the hobby. And, um, you know, because you were someone that I had known, right? I had known you for a couple of years. And then it was kind of like, oh, yeah. Oh, you buy cards? Okay, I buy cards too. You know what? And I could remember probably like our third conversation regarding cards. I'm like, do you want to come to National with me? <laughs> <laughs> it was in Chicago, like like a week out. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but it was the thought that counted, right? <laughs> it was the imitation. Yeah. But, yeah. 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 It's great. So, uh, just to change lanes a little bit. So I know because we're so close that you are still just as active, you know, in the hobby, even though you're not getting to as many shows as we once were. Right. So just talk a little bit about, you know, where you're active, what you're doing, like, you know, what, you always have great things. You always have great things coming in and, and, and your PC has just blown up. Like you talked about the bottom row, right? You, you, you were in one of your episodes, you talked about the cards on your bottom row, the cards that you buy, they're your PC, you don't sell. And now you have a case that's, you know, really bottom heavy. <laughs> You know that you've got so many rows, you got a, you got more than one row down there of cards that aren't for sale. You know, you know what's great too is I literally have one card within arm's reach, and I just want to show it to you. I posted it on Instagram a couple nights ago. It's the 1970 tops OJ Simpson rookie on card auto, on card in person auto. It says OJ Simpson, the Juice Hall of Fame '85. So. The thing is, I see this card constantly popping up, but it is always the reprint version. It's always the reprint. I feel like I have never had the opportunity ever or never has one come across my peripheral that was a 1970 tops. It was always the reprint card. And I'm assuming it's because OJ probably, you know, one of the few ways ways he makes money now is by signing 
So I'm sure he just does a ton of signings and he always has these rent reprint cards. He probably carries them himself, you know, and then goes to shows and say, yeah, I'll come with my own card and, and, you know, we could do this and blah, blah, blah. So, so the fact that I found an original 1970 tops and it's an auto grade 10, I mean, this thing is, this thing is awesome. And this is just the one that was with arm's reach. So, so yeah, my PC is definitely building, um, and there's just a lot of stuff that I'm just not moving. However, at the same time, you know, just just today, actually, I ended up moving one of the centerpieces of my collection after owning it for a little less than a year. That was the 51 Bowman Mickey Mantle. And I moved that because I'm going for a huge item on the PWCC premiere auction uh, this month. And, I mean, I don't even know if I got it. You know, the, I think... You know, the play it safe me would have been like, you know what? Let me bid on it, see if I win it, then I'll start moving cards, you know? But the thing is, in my mind, I'm like, well, what if I can't move my cards as soon as I want to? Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I don't want to like go into default or have to like borrow from my personal money and not, not card money. So I just preemptively was like, you know what? I'm going to start making moves now because this is really going to push me to go for this item. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I think when it comes to staying active, you know, I had my second child last June and, and really you and I were doing two shows a month for about a year and a half, right? Two shows a month constantly. So as soon as I had my second kid, I told you I need to cut down to one show a month. So the thing is, even though I might not be setting up at shows monthly now, if you think about it, the last three months, we've done a show together. Yeah. Right. Last weekend, we went to Enfield, Connecticut together. The yeah. month before that of April, you and I both set up together at Springfield. And then the month before that, you and I took a road trip down to Philly and then yeah. so on and so on. So, you know, we're still doing one show a month. I think it doesn't always look how it used to, you know, with us sitting up, you know, shoulder to shoulder. But um, don't worry, we'll save that for national, though. We'll save yeah. that for national. <laughs> uh, I just saw you something. I've had a couple people, more than a couple people, actually, whether if it's on YouTube or in DMs, people hammer me about call, just calling it national instead of the national. Yeah, they got me, too. Did they? They did. They got me, too. They said, now if we, I love the podcast, but now if I could just get you to say the national. So I really, I'm really conscious of it now. Last year, I would say I was plural. I was nationals, right? Oh, and I got, I, got, I got zapped quick on that, and I yeah, switched, yeah. you know. I really trained myself the national and now now I'm at the national. I know. Listen, it is what it is. So almost out of spite, I'm just continuing to call it national. <laughs> so you see which kid we were in the classroom, right? Um <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> drawing outside the lines over there, Gerard. <laughs> yep. So so yeah, so I think the ways that I stay active, um, you know, it, it you know. I think that I don't hunt nearly as much anymore because, I mean, daily people are DMing me cards, whether if it's cards they own that they think I would like or if it's, you know, people that are DMing me other people's story posts. Just today, I got DM'd a, a gorgeous, flawless, I believe, Eli Manning, on-card auto, like Super Bowl champions 2012, like, version, gorgeous card. And um, I think the guy wanted a little bit too much for it, but I mean, beautiful. So it's almost like sometimes it's it's too easy. All I got to do is pay now. 
and but I love the hunt though. That's the thing. So like yeah. when we were in Enfield uh, this past weekend, and we were just sitting there, you know, I heard you talk about in your episode, just sitting there digging through dollar boxes. You know, we were sitting there. I walked away with five hundred of those one dollar cards 500 of them oh my and god and now we talked all the way home you never and i saw you get the box too i saw them give you the two row box yep. i had no idea it was 500 cards. and i said i said to his wife i said listen is is there a discount if i buy more and she's like she went and asked them and she came back and she goes no she goes these cards are too good and yeah. she was right she yeah. was right. You know, she was absolutely right. So, um, but I think I got roughly 500 and they gave it to me for 450. So I said, okay, that's cool. And then on my way out, I picked up a gorgeous LeBron card that I was very happy with. Shout out to Menards cards. Yeah, that was that, that was that quick deal you did at the end, right, right at the door on the way out. Yeah. Those are the best deals though, aren't they? I mean, that's, you're on your way out. You stop, you stop waiting, you wait for somebody. You were waiting for me at the time. And then you look over and you you make that that deal. You know, I I talk about I I was at the Shriner show and you know Mike Tyson was still sh supposed to show up at one o'clock and then he didn't end up showing till four and and the show ended at four and uh, I uh, I went you know I was there with Zips cards Jordan I said man I'm sorry I got to sit here till four o'clock he's like no 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 problem go ahead do it. So uh, I went and I stood in line and, you know, did all this stuff. And, uh, it, you know, I didn't get out of there until probably 4.30, 4.40, right? And then I came walking out and I'm saying, oh, my God. I mean, I'm so appreciative that these guys waited because I it was just such a special moment to me. And I find Jordan. He's sitting there and there's like five cards on the glass, but a pile of cash sitting there. And I said, oh, man, I'm sorry. He goes, oh, no, man. I just... I'll, now, this was a dealer that stayed, you know, 40 minutes past closing time and ended up making a big deal with him, you know, just because Mike Tyson showed up late. Right. So it's always, you know, it's just those little things. But that's a story. Right. There's a story to be told about those cards. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you, sticking out like a sore thumb right over your shoulder is that Tyson PMG right behind you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, staying right here, and it's not even going to the shows, not even traveling. You know, See, Mike, Mike, me, me, I would want to bring it to show, and people yeah. challenge me on that too. It's just someone in my YouTube comments um, over the last week, and you know what's one thing I do? I I rarely will ever read YouTube comments like in real time. So what I usually do is when I like usually like once a month or once every two months i'll i'll find myself like oh you know what let me go let me go see if there's any interesting comments and i'll go back like over the course of a month and read the comments and one of them the guy was like i hate people like you that bring their cards to shows and don't have any intention on selling them it's a waste of space why, why don't you stay home or something like that and i said something <laughs> like if you are upset with people bringing their cards for show and not for sale, then don't go to national because that's almost what half of national is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've, I've, and there's a price for everything. There's a I've, price for everything. Yeah. I've heard enough content before national and after national. Um, and I've heard people say like, listen, my collection is worth 10 million and I keep them in safety deposit boxes and I bring them out once a year 
and that's to go to national. I've had my table forever. I pay barely anything for my table. I just want to go there, show off my cards, not sell anything, and just talk cards. I've heard so many old dealers say that. Yeah. I mean, that have like, they have like Ty Cobbs, Babe Ruth's, you know, all that. And, and even at the height, even at the height of the market in 2021, never had any intention on selling. They're holding. Those are their cards. They're not looking to cash in. So those are the guys that go to national, take up multiple tables, take up booths, and really don't have any intention on selling. But there's always crowds around them because they have beautiful cards. And how many people go to the national and pay pay the ticket to get in, right? So they can go see those cards, right? I mean, you think about it. You know when you're going – if there's a card you want to see, the chances are real. The percentage are really, really high. Somebody in that room has got that card, even if it's a one of one, right? Or, or number to five or something like that, where you can go to pretty much any show and you'd be lucky if you found any of those really high end cards and you go online and nobody's ever really selling those high end cards. So people really like to see them. You know, people will go and take pictures. I was there last year. I watching people, you know, go up and take pictures of all kinds of different cards and say, man, this is the first time I've ever seen this card. And I'll probably never see it again unless you bring it next year. So that's there. That's like one thing, right? I think like when you're going to national, regardless, and here, this is a little bit of a PSA and I don't mean uh, the grading company public service announcement. <laughs> if you are ever going to take pictures of someone's case or someone's cards, ask permission first. I can't tell you how many times I've been at a local show or even a big show like Springfield that has like 200 tables where I've been at a show and some usual kid, it's usually, you know, usually someone 25 and under, and I'm not knocking the youth by any means, love you guys, um, but they'll just come right up to the table, start snapping pictures of your cards, and then walk away without even making eye contact with you. Like, what is that about? <laughs> I don't well, even know. I, I, I think what happens, I know what happens with some of my cards is the kids come up and they see and they're like, oh, and they they take a picture, yeah, and yeah, you know, whether it's a card right? ladder or all, and then it comes up, you know, $6,000 or $4,000, and they're yeah. like, whoop, the on the example, move. The examples I'm giving, they come up and literally just snap multiple pictures. Yeah. So unless they're snapping pictures and then going to the corner of the room to upload each picture to all to do it that way i don't know it's possible yeah and it's easy like i go to i you know when i'm at shows i mean I, i'm on the other side of the uh you know i don't usually ask permission but i'm usually talking like when i show up i i want to have conversation so i'm usually talking to the dealer anyways and they'll know what card i'm interested in because i'll ask them about the card i'll ask them what their price is and if they have a sticker on it you know i'll i'll you know look it up like that on the phone um I know some dealers find it disrespectful, you know, if you just walk up and you take a picture and you start looking up comps, but I think it's the norm now. I mean, as a dealer, I, I mean, I just think it's normal. I, I don't get offended, you know, when people come up and do that, uh, even if they take a, a picture and walk away. I mean, when I was at uh, the National last year, a lot of people came up, they took a picture and then they took a picture of the booth number. 
and then they moved on. You know, that makes sense. See, yeah. stuff like that, that does make sense. Um, listen, before before we pivot real quick, I know we were talking about like content and stuff before. Um, I wanted to read you a message that I got today. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not gonna read the whole thing, right? Um, but this person tags me in a, so this person shares my post right on Instagram. So I posted a, a picture, new episode out, blah, blah, blah. He shares the post to his story and said, I really wish this was more of a collector focused podcast used to be one of my, the better ones until the PWCC partnership and this kind of content. And it was because my podcast, the episode today was a round table about flippers. So I responded, actually, when I last did a roundtable series five months ago, before the PWCC partnership, I had a roundtable discussion about buying and selling high-end cards. And I said, to quote Jay-Z, do you fools even listen or do you just skim through it? That's from a rap song, Renegade. So then he comes back, okay? And this is when he starts dropping names. He says, you know what? I haven't really listened since earlier this year but looking at your recent guest list i see a lot of guys that are doubling as dealers there's nothing wrong with that but it seems a lot less collector focused but maybe that's in comparison to stacking slabs and wax museum i wish there were more collector interviews variety i don't like the flipping content i used to listen regularly but ken from sports card lessons is a vendor <laughs> then you have content creators where, where are you going with your podcast? So and, and he just kept going on and on. I thought it was actually going to get the sports car, the quote about you sooner than that. So I'm sorry. But this guy <laughs> reached out and I said, why don't you like my show? And he specifically name dropped you. So listen, you got a hater. You made it. Oh, you know what they say? If you don't have any haters, you're not doing it right. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. But for him to say, like, I'm like, I thought everyone loves Ken. Like everyone <laughs> loves Ken. <laughs> and the first thing this guy does is name drop you. <laughs> you know, I, 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 you know, you hear it all the time. You know, flipper, dealer, collector. I mean, there, there's got to be a, another name. I mean, I, I'm going to coin something if it's not already out there, right? Because I mean, I, I'm a dealer, and I'm, you know, I'm buying cards to sell cards. So you could put me in the flipper lane. But I'm a collector too, right? I'm in the hobby. I'm collecting. There, there are cards that I collect. I have a collection that never, never make it out to the show, and and it helps me. And like so many other people out there, it helps me. What's the term you're going to coin? I, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't thought of it yet. But hey, when you come back in two weeks, your tongue. <laughs> when you come back in two weeks, I'll have it. Yeah, maybe yeah, somebody, maybe somebody's gonna. It's already out there. I'm sure it's out there. Somebody's gonna, somebody's gonna throw it in the comments. Listen, this is this is the way that I describe myself. I mean, I like to think I'm a a collector first, right? I, but I think we all are. So I think that kind of takes it out of it a little bit. I think most of us are. But um, I'm gonna give credit to my buddy brian uh brian dennison from cajun cardboard he describes himself as a hybrid he said no i'm a hybrid i'm a hybrid of uh you know collector and dealer and i'm like oh i love that you could be a hybrid of you could not set up at shows but be a flipper online right um you could be a hybrid collector flipper you know i think so so nowadays i think it's not 
the way it used to be. I think there's so many more options now. You know what I mean? Like the hobby is almost like kind of like dating. Like there's so many options, so many <laughs> options. There's all these apps, there's this, there's that. Um, and, mm -hmm. and with, you know, back in the day, you know, when I was younger and my dad would take me to the card stores and take me to card shows. Um, I remember them vividly, by the way. Every time I mention it, I, I literally picture myself walking into what our local card shop was. And it was this dingy, dingy little thing. It was it was like the size of, you know, those fishing uh those fishing houses that they have in Alaska that they put over the hole, they drill the hole. <laughs> Ice fishing hut. It was literally like that, but maybe like double the size. You could probably fit two five upside down five gallon pails in there. Um, it, it was just really small, and you felt like you could push it over, and the thing it looked like a shack. But you know, the guy had some really cool cards in there, and I just remember all the time going there. But it's not like it used to be. It's not. There are so many options now that you don't have to get up and go to card shows if you don't want to. Oh. And if you're good at making deals, if you're good at that kind of thing, and you and I were talking about this on the phone earlier this afternoon, you know, it's, it's some people are addicted to the flip. Some people are addicted to transaction. Some people are just in it for the money, but some people absolutely love cards and they have their own little PC on the side and they're just really good with rotating out inventory. I couldn't do that because I immediately want to put my money into a PC item and not so much inventory. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, hundred percent. And really the only thing I want to add to that is, um, there's a need for all of us. Mm -hmm. You know, these card shows are booming right now. I mean, every, every show I go to has been really busy, right? To, to get tables at these shows is very hard. These higher end shows, Right. So so, you know, you've got the deal. Everyone needs a dealer. And, and what's the dealer doing? They're they're providing a service. They're selling cards and, and we're buying cards. Right. So somebody's showing up at the show and they say, hey, I've got these cards I want to sell. I want to cash out. I want to get out of these cards. You know, we're there to do that. We're there to sell cards or people are coming to look for cards. And I almost think the people who really get down on because because i had somebody comment on one of my things say now i remember after this episode now i remember why i hate dealers so much i mean that was the comment that i got on it you know and i thought to myself and i said well, this may be somebody who doesn't get out to shows because you know being out to shows the people really are having a good time right i mean <laughs> the people are really having a good time i make a lot of friends out there and on the other side of the table i'm not talking about all of us on the dealer side of the table but but the people the attendees that are coming i, I mean i make a lot of friends out there and we have a lot of great conversation and we share stories and we may trade some cards or sell some cards i made some buy some cards it's a good time had by all there's nothing negative i don't feel or see anything negative at a card show so when somebody gets starts getting down like oh you're a dealer or you're a flipper or something like that it just it's maybe, maybe somebody had a bad experience at card at a card show and said i'm not doing it anymore and i feel bad for that because there's a lot of good experiences to have at card shows yeah absolutely and and you know what's if you're a collector and you want to go to a card show you know it's one thing you need and someone there to sell the cards yeah absolutely over there yeah yeah so uh, well we're almost at 40 minutes i promised you th you know it was only going to be 30 minutes but uh 
we're at 40. Uh, any anything else you want to you want to drop on top before we uh, we part ways here? No, man. You know, I'm just um, I tell you, like like I said, because of my roundtables, you know, I really treat my podcast as almost like my diary. You know, it's like I really I, I process my thoughts on there. You know, I, I when a lot of times when I'm done recording a podcast, I feel like I feel like a weight has been lifted off my shoulders maybe a little bit because by me talking out loud, I'm kind of hearing hearing the problem almost secondhand now because it's, it's being said out loud rather than staying in my head. So um, by by talking about things that are happening in the hobby or with myself, um, it really feels like a weight is off my shoulders. But now that I'm doing these roundtables, I'm literally not going to have a solo episode for a month. So I'm not going to be able to process anything for a month. And in season three, what I started doing, because I had so much to process, I wanted to talk about every single roundtable at length. Um, but I didn't want to bury the the roundtable episode. So what I started doing was I started doing a solo episode, like a reflection episode I dropped every Saturday. But for me, I feel like these roundtables are going to be so big this season that I don't even want to drop a reflection episode out of fear of like burying some really good episodes. Yeah. So I don't have anywhere to really process what's going on. So coming here and talking to you right now, even though it's only been a week since I dropped the solo, it's, it's felt pretty good. Well, you want to come, come next week. I, I'll save a spot for you every week this month. If you want to come, I would love to, I would imagine probably not. I told my wife uh, like two weeks ago, I said, listen, I just want to give you a heads up now. So I don't want to hear it. I'm giving you a heads up. There are going to be a lot of episodes that are going to be recorded. There's going to be a lot of podcast episodes. She's rolled her eyes. Yeah, so She said, uh, we'll see about I, that. So I have to keep the extras to a minimum. I actually had another one that was planned for tonight at 930. And, and it's, I don't say yes to all podcasts, you know, just, I don't have enough time to do it. And I, I appreciate it and stuff, you know, but this woman um, I've been on her show before, and she's she's great in the hobby. It's uh, Courtney from Reckless Cards. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, so Courtney from Reckless Cards. Uh, I went on both of her shows before, like months back. So she also does a true crime wrapped with sports stories podcast. So, um, so when she told me about that a few months ago, I was like, what? I love true crime podcasts. I love it. It's the only thing I really listen to outside of sports cards podcasts. Yeah. And um, we're supposed to record the Aaron Hernandez <laughs> one tonight. But the, but the thing is, she told me, she goes, um, I said, listen, just like I'm kind of in a time crunch here because I know I was recording with you and just I'm doing a lot of episodes. So I said, can we keep it to like 30 minutes? And she goes, oh, no, we'll, we'll reschedule then. I said, okay, fine. I could do an hour. She goes, I actually probably need an hour and a half. And I, I said, I, I can't do that tonight. So I think we're rescheduling for something. But, um, but yeah, so, yeah. Let's plan that's, on where got, that's where I got my start in, uh, in, in listening to podcasts was all true crime. I mean, I was, I was there before Serial, but Serial was really the big one. So, so before I got jumped back into cards, that's all I was listening to was true crime podcasts. Yeah. Nice man. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you know, the crime that got me into true crime podcasts, I never, I was so late to the show that you probably lapped me multiple times. Um, but you know, the, uh, 
the case that happened in Indiana, I think it was, with uh, was it Indiana, where where the guy told the girls down the hill. What? Yeah. Oh my God! All you have to do is Google the three words "down the hill," and trust me, it'll come up. So, so the case finally broke, and they finally arrested someone after like six years of it being a cold case. So these like. I wouldn't even think they were teenage girls. Were they teenagers? They might have been, yeah. Two teenage girls. And um, and finally there was an arrest made. So over the summer when I had my son and I took all this time off of work, I just jumped into True Crime Podcast. I probably listened to, I think I want to say about 150 episodes probably since like the end of the summer. You know, I'm just, I'm averaging probably like three to four a week. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I used to walk every night, listen, I drive in the car and now I substituted all that, you know, to the sports card stuff now. Right. So that's, that's what I do. And it's, yeah. uh, I used to listen to books on tape too, right. Or on in the car on, you are a nerd. I that's am. Nerd and you know what, you know, what's funny. You want to, you want to know what's, what's funny. And I know we're way, way off topic and, you know, but, um, maybe not funny either, but severely, I was severely dyslexic. Right. So, I could read, but I really couldn't like comprehend the story. <laughs> I couldn't comprehend things that I read. So I was never a reader. I, I would never, I never read, you know, books or anything. And, uh, once, I, once I started with books on tape, I started listening to books on tape. I, it was like a whole world opened up to me. I, I was probably listening to three or four books a week, you know, just constantly with, with headphones on and, and anything I was doing. Uh, and then that, ran over into the podcast stuff and uh i you know i don't want to say listening to podcasts makes you a better podcaster right but uh it, it definitely keeps your mind just just going all the time uh especially when you're listening to the true crime stuff right because you think you've got it solved and that, that was one of the things you're trying to always even when you turn it off you're always still trying to solve that crime so yeah yeah, yeah. um so real quick before we wrapped up i know you went you went you brought the wife and you guys went and saw a show last night in hartford who was it melissa etheridge <laughs> no alanis morissette it, it, we went to see uh jagged little pill okay and uh you know, I, I love plays, I love musicals, and I just assumed, I knew, had no background of it, and I just assumed it was about Alanis Morissette. You know, usually these these things are about their life, right? So, uh, you know, I was I was sadly mistaken. <laughs> I showed up, and like the first 10 minutes, they're in Connecticut, and I'm like, I didn't think Alanis Morissette was from Connecticut. And then the girl comes out, the daughter comes out, I'm like, her name's not even Alanis. <laughs> I looked at my wife. I'm like, Jerry, what's going on? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> and so what was it about? It, it, you know what? It, it was great. It was, it was really good. I, I don't want to really, you know, try to talk about it because I could be here all night. But it, it was, it, it was deep. It was heavy. It hit a lot of subjects that are in today's, you know, current in today's wow. society, and. Uh, I, I suggest anybody go see it. It, it. It's really kind of an eye-opening uh, performance. And if, if you have the opportunity to see it, yeah, definitely go see it. And this whole story is just go. It's like kind of like Mamma Mia, right? It's a story, but the, all the ABBA songs are around 
you know, the story. And that was the same here. So it really had nothing to do with Alanis Morissette, except for it was all her music wrapped around this story. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, you know, the performance that the people in the performance were just unbelievable. It was, it was really good. And, and it was just opening night last night. So I think it's, if, I mean, if you want to need a, need, need a mother's day present for the wife, you might want, you can get some tickets and take her to a show. What are they, a sponsor of Sports Car Lessons now? Melissa <laughs> Etheridge and Penn? Man. Uh, so so you're setting up this weekend? I am. I am. I'm setting up uh, in Woolburn, Massachusetts, uh, at the um, the best flipping card show. And that's at the Crown Plaza in Woolburn, Mass. Uh, are you going to have the lifeguard chair? Uh, no, I'm not going to bring it. I don't want to. I, I've been Beautiful. invited. Somebody has a full table and they invited me to, to split the table with them. So I don't want to, you know, show up with, with, with the lifeguard and, and the beach attire and the, you know, the swimmies and, you know, I've <laughs> sunscreen on the nose. <laughs> They're like, who brought this guy? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. And then the following week is, uh, is the Fenway show. Nice. Um, that should be pretty good too. Nice. Um, yeah, I got some shows coming up, but well, you know, you, uh, there's only one big one. There's only one Super Bowl show. It's like you recently said, all roads lead to national, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so well, Rob, thanks for coming on, man. Uh, tell people where they can uh, find you and listen to those unbelievable round tables. Yeah. Check me out. Uh, just anywhere you consume content, sports card lessons. <laughs> yeah sports card therapist brother <laughs> uh well thanks for coming on appreciate it uh i want to thank everyone for tuning in and if you like what you hear please like definitely subscribe and most importantly tell a friend and spread the word and until next time take care of yourselves and everyone around you <laughs>